Zoom with Mr. Smith. How are you, mate? Oh, Zoomy, Zoom Zooms. Uh, yeah, being in the bunker that is Victoria, not allowed to leave our four walls except for go outside for some fresh air. Yeah, weird, weird times. Yeah, so we march on. But I am um, all right to answer your question. I'm all right. How are you doing? Oh, I'm going okay. I'm going okay. I, I, uh, I, um, an Instagram account that I follow is doing a, a countdown, which is kind of good, but also horrible as well. Cause then you look at it and you're like, ugh, 39 days of this to go. But the reality is it's going to be probably a lot more than that now with the cases still continually rising. Uh, it's not good, but, um, yeah, look, we'll, we'll march on. Um, <clears throat> we're going to keep recording each week. We will do it all over Zoom. So, um, yeah, the audio is what it is, but that's the reality of this world now um, when, you know, Kane Corns is ringing in from, from SA on Footy Classified. It's, it's, it's everyone's level playing field now. So um, we will do it as best as we can. I'm sure, surely at some stage before the end of the year, we'll be able to do it again um, in our studio. But um, in the shorter term, we're just going to have to do it like this. Uh, massive thanks to our sponsors at Hops to Home. If you ever needed uh, Hops to Home, now is the time to do it. It is a craft beer delivery service, so hopstohome.com.au. Um, it's a startup by a couple of uh, Melbourne guys. Basically, they buy craft beer from across the country, um, all in cam format, and then they put it into packs and then ship it directly to your door in packs of 10 uh, or 20. And you can use the uh, yep. promo code Dive to get $25 off your first pack, which is a great deal. You're getting craft beer for a really, really good price. Absolutely. We have not gone dry during this lockdown or no. last lockdown. It uh, got delivered on the dime every time. Yeah, I actually just had one before um, from the pack from the Sunshine Coast, um, which was good. So it's cool. That's actually really, it's a good way to try a lot of different beers too because obviously um, every state's pretty parochial. We're here in Victoria, so I mean, obviously no one's going to the pub at the moment, but even if you're going to a... A bottle shop. There's obviously a lot of Victorian beers, but it's good to you know this service def- definitely um, exposes you to stuff that you definitely wouldn't see. Um, there's stuff that I've not seen in bottle shops, but also um, yeah, exposes you to stuff going on in other states, which is cool. Um, yeah, very. I'm sure, good. they don't want Abby right now. It's probably probably got AIDS, but the other way around. So <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, we probably will get a lot of interstate beers uh, over the next couple of packs, which I'm all for because yeah. As you mentioned, uh, very patriarchal in uh, in Victoria, and they get down to well suburbs in some in some cases where they only want to support their local yeah. craft brewers because there's about twenty thousand of them within a hop, skip, and a jump from their bottle shop. Oh, it's true. Like the bottle shop south side definitely support. Um, once you go a bit further down, definitely support that neck of the woods more in north as well. So you definitely check out hopstone.com.au. Yeah. Um, please, this obviously will still go on beyond the game. Um, check out Beyond the Game TV. Ed's doing a really good job. Um, he's going to keep maintaining that going, of course. Um, and as I said before, as soon as we can record again, we will um, get back into the studio. Um, but yeah, it's, it was too much of a risk to try and get over to the studio, which is in the other side of town. Um, and if the police pulls over, uh, needing to film a podcast probably didn't come into the top reasons to leave your house. Didn't quite cut it. No, I don't don't think that would fly, I'll be honest. Uh, no, they'd have to be absolute <laughs> AFL nuts and big fans um, for us to get away with it, and that's no guarantee. 
Imagine one of the cops was a listener and they were like, oh, yeah, all right, go on, off you go. Off you go. No, it'd be 1600 bucks. Yeah, and this podcast doesn't <laughs> doesn't pay any money. So um, $1,600 no, would be would be average, to no, say the least. That's it. Couldn't even, couldn't even give us to our, to our account and say, oh, business expense, just pay it. No, it would be bad. Um, so we will continue the video thing. Um, we'll keep doing the audio. We'll do the reviews and previews. Um, we'll see how we go for time. I mean, the other thing too, not not tonight, but as as we kind of go through the season, maybe we even do a bit of a deep breath episode as well, which we haven't done for a little while, looking back on the season and where teams are at. And um, there's such a log jam in the ladder at the moment, even going over um, you know, what recruiting decisions worked and what game plans are working, what's not working, go over a bit more of the overarching stuff that... We mentioned sometimes that probably don't cover as much uh, in the day-to-day episodes. We've, we've got probably got a lot of time on our hands in in old mate lockdown at the moment, so um, that's not off the yep. cards. Absolutely. All so, right. should so, we get straight into shall it? Shall we jump, jump into round six? Round six kicked off on a, kicked off uh, on a Thursday night. Yeah. So, Miss uh, Tower is a Blockbuster game, yeah. Is that well? The old, the old, the old hat, the old hat, and the old players from the old, the old hat did a number on the new kids. Yeah, I mean, look, this this round. To be honest, the only game that I really, really enjoyed, off the top of my head, but I mean, I've looked at it again. I mean, Frio and St Kilda was the only game that I really enjoyed from start to finish. Aside from that. This definitely lacked quality. Um, we will kind of get into a bit of why and how, but we can talk about it, I guess, through this game. So the Cats won by 27 points. Um, Brisbane started okay. I thought I, I liked at the start lines uh, were really not paying too much respect to Geelong. I think in the past, some of these younger teams, um, particularly like a Brisbane a couple of years ago, probably would have paid too much respect to a team that's, that's up and about. Um, but that, that was quite good. Um, Zorko really clean. Uh, initially, the umpiring was quite good as well, you know, not paying the 15 metres, um, which was, and, and paying it when it should be, which is good. Um, Rainer was really solid, um, but look, it, it just didn't last. Cats were a little bit too careful early on, but they just kept pushing, and Menegola had one of his best games. You know, Hawkins. I agree, I was about to yeah, I mean, Hawkins... It's one of the best games I've ever seen by yeah. that guy. He, he, he probably took the onus on not to um, just keep continuing for Salwood and Dangerfield and Ablett to, to be the leaders, although Danger and Ablett had a, had a really good game and Salwood was pretty good. Young yeah. players don't have down games very often, but yeah, I thought he stepped right up to the plate, uh, especially with uh, Mitch Duncan uh, going out of the game. Yeah, and Hawkins had a great really? game as well. And Hawkins was good, yeah. Yeah, and his defensive work dragging um, Andrews out of the 50 was great. That worked really well. Um, I mean, it's not obviously a, an unknown tactic, but his timing for doing it was really good. Um, it's interesting now. There's no real winning streaks either with Port losing the other week and now Brisbane losing as well. I mean, Geelong were down two players as well with Duncan and uh, who was the other one that was down? I can't remember now. It was like 12 years ago, this game. But they had multiple injuries. Yeah. Was it Narkel? Yeah, it was Narkel, actually. Yeah, I think it he was. Duncan and Narkel. Start of the second quarter or the end of the first or something? Yeah, that's, I'm pretty confident. Yeah. yeah, it feels like eight years ago. 
Um, that, yeah, but like complete Geelong control, that third quarter was probably the best I've seen the team play all year. 9-3 to one point. I mean, it was absurd. Um, yeah, Radaglia was really consistent. Um, I don't know, a little bit of undisciplined stuff from Brisbane as well as the game went on. Like initially it was like, oh yeah, you know, showing some aggression, showing that, that they're not going to be pushed around, showing them, you know, that, that they're not going to show them too much respect. But as it went on, it was like, yeah, this is pushing it a little bit too far. Um, I mean, I didn't care about it, but it doesn't look great. Like, you know, Charlie Cameron throwing the ball at the Geelong player's head and stuff like that. It was just a bit, I don't know, childish yeah, just maybe. unnecessary. It doesn't, it doesn't achieve anything in – or never achieved anything back in the day when you're allowed to do that type of stuff. Uh, but definitely now, it does. I was surprised he didn't get a free kick awarded to him. I've seen, we've seen it happen previously that – you do something undisciplined like that, the umpire can turn around and blow the whistle and all of a sudden a, a, a stoppage or a ball up has turned into a free kick to the opposition and coaches get livid about that and just, yeah. I know there was something something very off from about halfway through that first quarter but with Brisbane, so I wasn't too... I was surprised with the end margin more than anything else. Yeah. Uh, Dylan played extremely good football, very team-oriented football um, and... Yeah, they continued to go about their um, regular uh, form at the SCG. They're very, they love playing there. Hawkins loves playing there, um, and they seem to be the uh, the bogey team for the Lions at the moment. Yeah, it's a, it's a. I don't know. I, I tip Brisbane. I really thought that that they would rise above this, um, but they kind of fell Same. into a lot of their old traps. Um, they won the inside fifties, but again, it was it was a pretty classic you know, of what we've seen a lot this year and it was just down to efficiency. Um, Geelong are definitely one of the best teams to watch. I think now now that we've got a decent sample size, we've seen a bit of football. I mean, they're definitely one of the best teams to watch. They're consistently uh, attacking. They're consistently offensive. Um, I mean, we'll get into it as we get through talking about this round, but, you know, I... I think, look, there's no... We can raise it now, and I'll be interested to hear what you think as we talk through the games, but there's no doubt that some teams have been instructed, and I'm looking at, like, Richmond... Um, I will go through it, but, like, as an example, you know, they've clearly... Like, the seasons, it is what it is, right? I, I think being highly critical of, of the football at the moment is a little bit counterintuitive given what's happened. Um, the mental element of everything that's going on. Um, definitely yeah. the the lack of training, definitely the break didn't help, all, all that stuff, right? We all know why. But I think being highly critical of this season is a bit problematic and it's hard because we have been as well. So I, I, I don't know, like it's hard to watch at times. But I think... Yeah, and I guess same same for us as com- people commentating on the game. It's yeah. taken us a while to adjust yeah. as well. It's, Which is... Expectations are up here and... They've all been down here and we're waiting, waiting, waiting. But maybe here is the new up here just for this season. Yeah. Oh, 100%. And I'm definitely interested to hear what you think because then I I really see now that it's a lot of those middle-rung teams. Ironically, like I think, you know, Port, to a bit of an extent, Brisbane obviously didn't work, but like Port, Geelong, teams like that, that high, and even Saints to some degree, but again, they stuffed it up. There's two games they shouldn't have lost. But 
these that high attacking football, that constant pace. There aren't that, there aren't actually that many teams that either can play that at the moment or or will play that. And there's definite clear instruction from some coaches, and I'm looking at Richmond a little bit, but we'll go through it, even Hawthorne to some degree. But there's definite instruction for almost like a 60-40 mould maximum of 40% absolute ceiling of offence. So starting the game, because the game's shorter as well, so starting the game really well, playing a quarter and a half, and then that's it. And then no more offence, no more attacking, chip, 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 do whatever you can and be hardcore, hardcore defensive and lock the game out and, and just make it impossible. Yeah. And even if they catch up a little bit, who cares? Because they've got to, they've got to kick like five or six goals and coming into the third to the third and even certainly the fourth quarter, but even the third to some degree, I know like, you know, that's what was so good about St Kilda Frio was Frio didn't have the the fear or the or the the thinking that oh there's no way we're going to make this back like it didn't look it they looked a million miles away from winning that game that was incredible and that's mm-hmm. what what's really missed a lot this year is to, I think teams look at it and think if we don't have a fast start and we don't play well in the first half it's gone forget it there's just not enough time to make it up and, and, and there's definite instructions from some teams without any doubt and that was obvious in that. Um, Richmond Sydney game, and it's been obvious in a few games throughout the year so far. And I'm, I think let's let's pick it apart a little bit as the season goes along. But I don't know yeah. how sustainable think, uh, how I sustainable is that though. What do you think? Like how sustainable is doing that? Yeah, look, I uh, I think if the idea that a lot of coaches and a lot of people in the AFL have put forward just with the way this season's going, banking. Early wins in the front half of the season are paramount. So I think what they're doing right now is going to work until, say, round 12, for example, where all of a sudden players have become match fit and they can, they're fully adjusted to the, the new parameters of the game that it is. Yeah. And all of a sudden, if there's, a, Four goals, really. We've seen teams kick four goals in 10 minutes. Yeah. Multiple times this year. So it's not like it's unachievable. You know, I think that mindset will need to adapt and change very quickly. But probably the next four weeks, we'll continue to see those teams that have been instructed. And it's clear, like you've mentioned a handful. Yeah. Throw Collingwood in there. They're very clearly all about They were on it from round two, um, getting a, a four or five goal lead and then backing your holding defensive yeah. systems and just lock it in and play keepings off if you want. Um, and it's not, that's yeah, not especially unusual. Now that, especially now that there's no Sorry. games at the MCG. Yeah. Where you, you can get caught out playing that defensive game and chipping it around because of how um, big it is. But, yeah, uh, wait, it'll be interesting to see, um, obviously, um, Optus Stadium being fairly similar in dimensions where the teams continue that mould. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's very evident. I think it was a good pick up there from you. Well, and it's thing. not a... Well, the thing for me is it's not a, an unusual thing. It's not like that's the first time this has happened. But I think it's happening more and more. And it seems more obvious now. There's a few teams that... And the other thing I've noticed in doing this too, I was just going back, but I, I, it'd be too hard to do otherwise. We'd, I'd have to pause it. But in terms of... 
going, there's definitely games, and this is something to watch out for. There's definitely games I've watched where teams have implored these tactics and they haven't gotten enough of a head start for it to work. And then it's gotten close late and they've had to really quickly pivot. And a few teams haven't been able to do that again. So they've been so stuck in that defensive mould, they haven't been able to go back to plan A and then it's too late and they've lost the game. But there is 100%, there's been at least four or five games this year where that's happened. Where the teams come out and done exactly that and they're going, okay, let's go out there, 30%, maximum 40%, get out there, be highly offensive, take the corridor, um, switch as fast as possible, run, 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 run. And this is the other thing too, a lot of it I think is also partially physical. So... The, the the some coaches I honestly think have looked at it and thought maybe this is another way to to remove injuries and and also to to avoid um, blowouts throughout the game because I think some coaches think we just can't keep playing at this sustained you know attack the ball attack 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 the whole time is or most of the time right but you know like it's but then inside. Like to that, you look at the top three. I know the ladders, it's log jammed, and it, I can't really use this point just yet, but bear with me. Geelong, Port, and Brisbane are the top three teams, and they all attack first, attack, attack, attack. So, and even Essendon yeah. to some degree at fourth. So, I don't. And, you know, the, and the surprises this year in Carlton St Kilda, that's what they've been doing. Carlton hit 100 points, just gone, and, and we'll talk about it. And that's the first time in ages that that's, well, since round two that that's happened. So, I. I it's it's very interesting. I can like there's this very interesting conversation that's that's developing, and I, I wanted to talk about it a bit earlier on as it goes, you know, over the next month because it really does feel like some coaches feel this is completely unsustainable and uh, playing at this at that kind of pace. So we're just going to keep doing this. What you know, which a bunch of teams clearly have done, and even like for Richmond, like maybe Hardwick thinks they're just not in the form to do that high offensive take on. That's the other side of it too. So they've all got their various reasons. But then you look at it and you think, well, at what point does this end? For some of these hardcore play on teams, it, it'll end. But then it, 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 you can look at the argument either way. It's really interesting. It's going to be fascinating to see which works because at the moment there's clearly two sides. There aren't really, there's not really anybody in the middle. Maybe Collingwood a little bit. Against some teams they've attacked a lot more but then some weeks they've just... And it's not necessarily just conditions or it's not necessarily match-up. It's maybe to some degree. I don't know. I'd love to get some of the, some of the coaches on. Obviously, that would be virtually impossible at the moment. But that would be really... Yeah. And they probably wouldn't be honest anyway. But that would be really interesting to hear. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to raise it because it's it's it, there's there's clearly... And, and, you know, you look at that argument between Longmire and, and, and Hardwick. Like... You know that, ironically, they were kind of basically doing a fairly similar thing anyway. I I I actually agreed and disagreed with both of them, so it was a bit of a futile conversation. But anyway, um, I guess let's let's get back to Geelong Brisbane. But any other takeaways for you out of this game? Um, I mean, yeah, nothing. No, but for me, it was it was just a black and white. Geelong came to play, Brisbane switched off. Like yeah. they just, I know it was very, very un Brisbane like performance. Not what we've seen from them for the best year, like past eighteen months. They didn't want to uh, get back and put their defensive structures in place. Um, not to take away from Geelong, Geelong's pressure was amazing, and it was really for me 
uh, again, Lockie Neal was the only four-quarter player for him, and that's not going to win him a lot of football. And even he fell away a bit uh, towards the back end as well. Yeah, well, as you would if you're yeah. the only one out there having a crack. Oh, of course. Um, but, other, but other than that, I think systemat- uh, symptomatic of uh, this season, isn't it? We've, we've seen a couple of teams as win two or three in a row and then they have an off night and the other team, you, we know, they only have to be a couple of percent off your best and every team's capable of beating you, except Adelaide. One of the things I wrote down in my notes for this game, and, and it kind of applies to a lot of the games, I guess we we spoke about it a little bit last week and I'd be interested to get your opinion on it. In terms of, so obviously like a, for a bit of a refresh, a couple of weeks ago obviously we had the situation with Clarko um, and him coming out saying the game's awful and then also Hardwick said his game was awful. And Look, as a side note, I, I can't say I love two, you know, uh, mature age coaches, you know, shitting on the game at the moment, I think. It, it, I, I don't uh, necessarily disagree with them, but they've got a much bigger platform than we do. If we say it's a bit awful, like it, it is what it is, but I, I really don't think it's a good idea, oh. them consistently saying that. No, not, um, yeah, bring it back to home for, for for those of us not in the That's their employee. They're yeah. actually canning their employee on international media. Yeah. Um, like anyone else who did that would be sacked straight away. Sacked, mate. Well, it's pretty cool. Um, and I, get, I, yeah. get that, I get that those two coaches, with the success that they've bought and their uh, general demeanour is quite positive moving forward, I think Clarko has been a little bit more reserved since then and almost apologetic. I think he's had a tap on the shoulder and the, the odd phone call from Gill and... Um, whatnot, and I think Hardwick will get the same, and a, a general uh, conversation will be had privately between AFL and all of the coaches to say, "Hey, it, it, we get it. You, you don't like what's going, but all teams are in the same boat. Need you to stay as positive as possible in front of the media, um, and if they can't say anything, go back and watch some classic." footage of Ross Lyon um, and how he's dealt with the media uh, in the years gone by. He he was a masterful and uh, to a lesser degree, uh, Bobby Thompson uh, at his heyday at Geelong. Like they just knew how to handle prickly questions and and, and, and handball them basically back to the um, reporter. So, yeah, I, I, I'm not, I mean, you and I do it, but that's... We're not employed. We're here just doing a podcast. So. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't think it's a very good look. I think no. it's sour grapes from a coach. Even if I agree with their points, I just think uh, their role and their professional demeanor needs to just take a step, a backward step, um, and just go. Look, it's not ideal. We we can't play the game plan that we want to because the quarters aren't long enough, or whatever that they come up with, but. Something that's got a bit more of a positive shine on it as opposed to just shit-canning it. But in, in, in connection to that, so just um, the other thing I wanted to see what you thought of. So all, all the hole-in-the-ball stuff, right? So obviously Clarko started this whole thing, um, said that, you know, all these all these tackles, um, you know, and then no free kicks, blah, blah, blah. What? So throughout this round, it was extremely inconsistent. The players had no idea what was going on. Um, at times, it was completely farcical, the decisions that were made 
it really did feel at times they were just completely rolling a dice. I actually wrote down in, in the notes that I had for Geelong Brisbane, there may as well be a shot clock in terms of how much the umpires are turning the play back and handing the ball back to the other the other team after, you know, they haven't been able to score for X amount of time. I mean, it honestly started to feel like that through sections of some of these games. What what do you feel like how do you feel the state of this at the moment? Do you feel it, it it's it's good, it's bad? What like what's and I guess, you know, around that, like I get his point. I guess both of us we discussed that we both thought, yeah, well that is ridiculous. But have we gone too far the other way? Uh, well, to answer the first question, oh, for the last two or three years, it's frustrated me no end that the interpretation of holding the ball wasn't in the spirit of the game, as in you had a chance to dispose of the football and you didn't correctly and the free kick wasn't awarded. It was just hard to watch and care whether it was my team Mutual teams, opposition that I was playing, that my team was playing. It, it didn't. It just. I, I just don't like it not being called because you've got to award the tackler, especially since so many of the other defensive mechanisms have been outlawed in the game. Um, as far as the adjudication goes, I think that's like everything, isn't it? With umpires, they are humans. They make mistakes. They probably actually make less mistakes throughout the game than the players do, but they get canned for it because they do make a decision that can affect the game. I agree it was more inconsistent this round than last round um, and how they did it. But, again, it's experienced umpire, someone who's umpired 20 games as opposed to someone who's done four or 500 games that make a difference. Uh, these constant rule changes year in, year out, just draining it mentally for the umpires to try and remember every little nuance. Oh, there's yeah. no... I know, I know I'm going around about here and, and not being direct because I, I, I can't. I, I honestly, it's one of the hardest jobs in AFL and like all the coaches and players would say I'd, they'd rather do anything else than be a, an, an AFL umpire, especially a central umpire. Um, but I think where we can improve our game is simplifying the rules back to what they were, you know, two, three, four decades ago where it was very, very clear, taking into consideration all the new sort of safety mechanisms that they put in place as well and making it visually appealing to... Um, the rest of the world. I think there's three problems, and I, I agree with what you're saying, and I feel the same. There's three three issues for me. So the first thing is there is a, a chasm of uh, a gap between the talent in umpires. So there's there's an absolute yeah. lack Huge. of... The, yeah, so there's a, there's a serious lack of quality umpires. So the AFL needs to seriously ramp up its, its, its recruitment, its development... Uh, now and ideally yesterday to, to getting that working, whether it's improving the pay conditions, whatever it is, we have to get much more and much better umpires without any doubt. So that because at the moment you've either got, I agree, you've either got like Margets or somebody like that's been umpiring for like 50 years or you've got, you know, you know someone that's, that's relatively new. There's a couple in the middle, but not many. That, that's a massive problem. So that, that, that's one issue. 
The other problem too is I think we really need to decide, and the AFL needs to decide, I don't think it can ever make up its mind, a decision needs to be made with what game do we want? What do we want the game to be? Do we want it to yeah. be do we want it to be like the 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 sixties and seventies and eighties where there were goal kickers that are kicking a hundred and, and, and that style? That's that's fine, but to then that leads then into the third thing, which is the coaches won't allow a lot of what we talk about in terms of oh this should happen I wish this happened let's let's pull that rule away but then the problem is like and Ted Richards spoke about this when we did the interview with him you know all these levers keep getting pulled you don't know what the result's going to be and and half of these levers affect other levers and blah 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 I think the the decision needs to be made with what do we want the game to be and the only real way to get the coaches to have no choice but for certain things to happen during the game, such as, you know, more scoring, all that sort of stuff. There are You have to take toys away from them because otherwise it's just going to keep continuing. So whether that's 16 to a side, they're going to have to seriously... If they want it to go the way that some people want it to go, then they're going to have to make a drastic change because it's just going to keep going. They might They'll pull one thing and then once like a smaller rule and then as you pointed out it, it stuffs things around it makes it hard for umpires it makes it hard for players and it's week by week rules it's, it's a it's a joke it's, it's embarrassing but then especially if, sorry if, if yeah. we keep going especially if they bring in a rule but don't counterbalance it out by removing another rule that may contradict that rule yeah so and I've had someone explain it to me, and I, I won't go into detail, but it's it's when you're kicking, like taking a mark or you've got a free kick and you're on the outside of the boundary line. Now, if you play on and you're still not in the game of play, the rules say you're out of bounds. So it should be the boundary umpire should blow the whistle and call it out of bounds. Yeah. But because you're taking a free kick or you're having a shot on goal, they never do. They let you play on and still stay on the outside of the field of play. So that's a contradiction because you've played on and you're still on the outside of the boundary line. You shouldn't get to kick the ball. You should be blowing the whistle and thrown in. Yeah. That's just one example of new rules coming in and, and allowing them to do such things. So but, I think yeah. if you're going to do it, you have to look at all the rules and go, okay, does this new rule affect anything else that's going on and do we have to alter that or do we need to scrap one rule and bring a whole new rule in? This, like, the reality is, and we've got to keep moving, but the reality is this will continue. The game won't won't evolve out of this. That that whole argument, you hear it all the time, that argument of, oh, it'll just let it go, it'll evolve, you know, things evolve. And I, 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 like, we always have had bad games. That's the reality is there were bad games in the 80s, bad games in the 70s. There's been bad games in every decade, no doubt. We just see them all now, and there's so much more coverage. That's I, But also, I don't dispute that at time, at times, like I think football probably peaked in the early 90s because you still had a lot of those great players that had were in the 80s, and then some of the youth were incredible that went on through the 90s. I think that's probably about where it peaked. I'm not saying it's plateaued completely after that, but at the same time, where we are now is not going to change. So we either just forget about it, stop changing the rules, leave it the way it is, and then football will stay basically the way it is now, 
for ongoing forever, which is fine, or we make a serious, proper, bigger decision and change a couple of things to then free the game up, whether that's interchange, you know, 16 to a side, all that sort of stuff. But and that, that you know, the decision just has to be made what the league actually wants to do with this sport. That's that's the biggest, that's the crux of it. Because the, the coaches aren't going to change. They're always going to keep trying to exploit it. They don't care if it's... they they like. There's no way Damien Harvick... I know he said it was frustrating and all that stuff, but does he really, behind closed doors, care that much? They still won the game. Wouldn't like, You hear coaches all the time saying, I don't care if we win 10 to 9. As long as we win the game, I don't care what happens. They don't care about scoring. I know they get pressure on them from AFL house, but anyway. So the point is, though, it's such a futile and annoying argument because it's... It, nothing is going to change unless like legitimate bigger things start to happen, and I don't know whether they're going to do that either because they're scared the fans are crap the shit. So it's 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 such it's such a difficult decision. But anyway, I, I found that like to be honest, it felt like AFL had a shot clock through sections of this. And by if you don't follow NBA shot clocks, the was introduced in the NBA where they uh, only have a certain amount of time to score. Um, it was introduced to try and increase scoring and it worked and they've left it that way. So whether that's something that gets introduced, you know, that's the other thing too. That's been discussed in AFL as well. But Well, that, that's it. And, and the rule they did before that to help reduce one team dominating was the three-second rule in the square Yeah, under the ring. So it's a center, a, we call it the Will Chamberlain rule because that's basically that's why was, they bought it in. It was built for, yeah. Um, it's, you can't just camp, camp under the ring and get lob passes and score 100 points. Um, so they made two, one rule to reduce dominant scoring and then brought in another rule to increase the scoring and balance each other out. Yeah. Very, obviously, very completely different games, small era. But funny enough, do we need the 50-metre arts anymore? Well, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. That, they well, do. You don't get a. It's not like the three point arc in the basketball where you, you get an extra point for shooting behind. It doesn't do anything. I know it was brought in for brought in to make the television more entertaining um, viewing wise, but it doesn't face me. I don't I actually mind the super. Goal. I just want to kick goals. They I can't like it from twenty meters in front, let alone fifty meters there. I, of all the ridiculous things they've done, like AFLX and. Bullshit rules they bring in for the NAB Cup and all that garbage we've seen over the years. That's one of the only things I don't mind is the Super Goal. I actually don't mind it because it gives the 50 metres some purpose and it actually doesn't yeah, bring it. doesn't bother me. Like, bring and it's in. not to bring see a situation where a team kicked a Super Goal to win the game would be would be sick. That would be cool. Anyway, but this is this is a long long discussion. Um, so that's that that's <laughs> no that. Discussion. That's the Brisbane. Um, maybe we can elaborate a bit more and and send in any questions you've got via social media or email, um, afldeepdive at gmail.com. Any of that sort of stuff you want to discuss, um, we can elaborate that on a future episode. But, yeah, so not really anything. So, obviously, Geelong, yeah, much better on the night. Um, Collingwood Hawks, uh, where do we start? Yeah, no, so, so obviously... we've already, we've already yeah. done, done, did that, that time. Absolutely. So, we'll just move on to Saturday, shall we? You move on. We've um, talked too much. We've beaten into the, the elected time for that game. Um, we'll just rush anyway, let's be honest. Uh, pretty rubbish. It was it was I'm a not bad game. At all. No, it was a really bad game. Um, do you well, well? Let's start with Collingwood, so you don't have to think about Hawthorne just yet. Uh, oh, there's nothing to talk about Hawthorne. I've got a couple of questions for you. Um, but, it was yeah. Howard. Yeah, I would not go for it. I'm just joking, being facetious. No, no. I mean, like, Wait, Colling- sorry, Collingwood again. 
they came to play. Um, obviously, followed followed suit with GWS. Played Clarkson football against Hawthorne. Just hassle any Hawthorne player that was near the ball. Tackled ferociously. Got the free kick. Moved fast. Kicked a winning score early, and that was that. It's funny. Never I, I had that written in my game. notes. Sorry, you go. Oh, that was it. Yeah, finished now. I was just going to say, I, I, I had that in my notes as well. They they play cargo football. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Hawthorne just had virtually no shots. Obviously, Patton went down. Um, he was very upset. Uh, injuries, no good. Um, Hawthorne were pretty badly organised. Um, the best thing about this game were the four debutants, let's be honest. Yeah, well, my check was good. I liked a, a two's oh, game. Yeah, it's good, yeah. A two was really good. Um, the Collingwood were a bit inaccurate, though. They kicked, uh, let me just check, it's 8-11, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, 8-11. Um, it could have, it should probably have been a lot worse. But, yeah, I, I, I tipped Collingwood. I thought they would win this game. Um, I guess we'll, go, we'll keep going into questions, though. So, do you, like, do you think, I mean, obviously it's so, like, this season's so bizarre, and they'll probably come out and belt Melbourne this week. But I guess with, with Hawthorne, you know, obviously they had a really good win against Richmond, but I don't think Richmond are as good as people think anyway. Do you do you feel that Hawthorne are overrated? Do you feel that that they're they're properly rated? Do you think that that right now they're not they're a middle run team? They're just not in that good of a place. So where, where do you think the team's at? Well, so and people can go back to our preseason episode. I had them out. Of the eight, or maybe just making eight. I haven't. I've said they're a middle run team this year from the get go, and yeah. for lots of reasons. The main one is the transition, and we're still having a lot of older players, but finally bringing in some youth. So those players haven't had a lot of time to play together. Yeah. Um, and even even the middle, like that age bracket where you, you, you want the majority of your playing list, uh, your Scullies, uh, Wingard, Tom Mitchell, Jagger Romero, et cetera, they haven't played a lot of football together either. So it does take a while. So, I, I, look, they are where they are um, for lots of reasons. Unfortunately, and I don't know the reasoning behind why Puopolo, I love Poppy, and but he's in everything's there, his effort, but the game's gone past him. So have that with you no know, patterns, Luke Bruce being out still, um, Burgon being rested. There's a couple of things uh, that probably didn't ideally suit Hawthorne on that particular night, but I'm not surprised. I picked Collingwood for a three-goal win for memory. Um, but on the flip side... It also reminds me of when Clarko first came to Hawthorne and it was hard to watch Hawthorne. So whether he's devising a game plan that everyone's trying to get used to to have a proper till yeah. next year, the year, year after, he and he's not blowing up like he used to either. So, yeah, wouldn't surprise me if Hawthorne have an up-and-down up season and then win the last three games of the season, just missed finals, but a really good um, platform to build on for next year. 
I think the problem though is like Poppy still is not getting any younger, like stuff like that. Um, I don't know. I think are they starting to really? I mean, sorry, you go, you go. Play the youth. Just play the youth. I mean, it was great to see two of the three uh, draftees from last year um, play. Will Day looks all the bit, all the the bit an AFL player. Obviously, uh, he hasn't got the frame just yet, but. Elite, elite skill can run. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just think why not play the youth now? Why you've got an opportunity, shortened game, shortened season, allow them to get get good exposure to the rigors of AFL without those bigger, longer games. Do you I think that it's starting that. to hurt? Um, so it was covered a lot this week so far in the AFL um, shows and articles and stuff. Do you think that it's starting to hurt? how little they've been to the top end of the draft for so long. Um, do you think that's no. starting to rear its head? I mean, do you think this, the youth at Hawthorne are actually going to be quite good? I'm uh, asking when, that. When I'm asking these... I don't. I don't have an opinion either way. Well, I do. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I haven't I, seen enough of it. No, I, I don't because um, we've probably got more number one draft picks on our list than any other team outside of GWS and uh, Gold Coast Suns at the moment. Yeah. They just happen to start at they're old, other clubs, and they're not that old. But oh, that's, yeah, not that old. that's true. Yeah, that's like, true. is not that old. Yeah, so uh, no, I, I think that's an easy chop it out from uh, journalists not doing their research. To be honest, I think it's lazy journalism. Yeah. Um, very easy to criticise um, a goat when they're having a down downturn. How many people wrote off LeBron James, uh, Federer, uh, and they just come back because they're injured? Yeah. So, well, that's Michael a bit... might be a little bit injured or he's, he's coming up with... No, yeah. I know. But uh, I, I, Patton's yeah. had like 40 no, new reconstructions though. So that that's the problem. Is, is yeah. Patton going to be able to turn legitimately good? Yeah, I mean, and name me a team that's bottomed out and won a flag recently. Name a team that's bottomed out, completely bottomed out, and gone on to win a flag. Richmond didn't. They finished ninth for years. Sydney never did. Geelong still haven't. Collingwood never did. The Giants did. I'll name the teams. I'll name, name the teams that. Yeah, well, they still haven't got a flag. That's what um, I said. Bottomed yeah. out teams. Melbourne haven't got a flag. Haven't got close to it. Carton. Kilda bottomed out. Carton. Adelaide are about to bottom out. Carton. Well, Carton. I wouldn't know. Is bottoming out? Or has that just been consistently? They were. Oh, they, so, they had so many spoons over the last five years. St Kilda as well bottomed out. Yeah. I don't know if you said that just before, but yeah, they they yeah, bombed Carl, out. Yeah, Carlton never went up. Like they were never up to bottom out. So they they, they, they bottom and bottom. They just hung out there. They, they bottom bottomed. It. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so yeah, I, yeah. I, I look at that. I just look at what's happened. Especially from 2010 onwards, and I can't off the top of my head think of a team that has, except for Hawthorne in the early 2000s, although they never got a spoon um, and were quite wily with um, trading and all that type of stuff, um, to then go on and, and have success from. I don't know. I, I can't think of any because if you, even if you go back, we'll go, better keep moving, but like Essendon. Yeah. Essendon never bottomed out between '93 and 2000. Um, Brisbane obviously no, got right. a lot, got a lot of talent um, from their previous incarnation. Um, Port, they didn't really bottom out. They they were developing 
as, as it went. Maybe one bad season. But not here like, there, not but like horrific to get five or six picks and stuff. Anyway, but look, it's, it's, no. it's, uh, no, you mate, I, I wanted to talk about it and I, I don't n- not, you know, agree with a lot of it. I'm just interested to hear um, the, the conversation. Anyway, um, so look, Collingwood, I, we both tipped them. Um, we ended up with, I think, yeah. seven, seven for the round. So we both thought that they would win. Um, yeah. There's look, still the thought. It's still the flag favourite for me, Collingwood. I, I, I still think Brisbane are a... You've got, you've got a couple of texts going on there. Uh, a bing, 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 bing. I know. I'll have to put it on flight mode. These people know. They, these people know. Are, they they are, they are, our, are they asking conversation interesting questions? Conversational? No, they're asking questions, but nothing to do with this. Oh, put them on the flight mode. Um, <sighs> anyway, so, look, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree. Um, let's keep moving on to Frio Saints. Um... I, I think this was game of the round. I really enjoyed it. It was great yeah. to watch. Um, again, I think the umpires went a little bit too far with the freeze, but generally I thought the match uh, was pretty free-flowing. Uh, that that definitely aided it in that they weren't trying to interrupt the game too much. Um, free early on, pretty kind of aimless entries. Um, their engine really wasn't getting their hands on it at all. Um, Fife was okay. He went forward. I had a lot of people saying, oh, did they bring him in too early and was he injured? I think that was just tactics. They, that, um, Darcy obviously was concussed and um, Lob they needed to keep um, pressing in the ruck because, you know, last week Marshall had been pretty good. So I think they really wanted to win the hitouts and, and keep pushing forward. And, um, yeah, I, I, I think it was a great game. Um, I think that move worked with five. You know, again, he was marking. He's, he's seven or eight centimetres shorter than half of the defenders, and he was still consistently marking. And he's such a freak. Um, but yeah, look, I thought Tucker was really good. You know, it was a bizarre. If you didn't see this game, it is so it is so strange, bizarro world game because right at the start, St Kilda are dominating. They're excellent, and this is a perfect example of the lead wasn't enough. The pressure wasn't enough. They went to switch to that defense mode for the next 60% of the game. A, it wasn't enough on the scoreboard, and B, they weren't comfortable enough playing that role. It didn't work. And and as a result, they let Freo back into the game. And for a period there, it was seven out of eight goals to Freo. They were completely dominating. And um, their overlap run was a lot better. Brayshaw lifted. This is the thing, their engine early on. You know, Chera, Brayshaw, these guys weren't getting their hands on the ball. But as it develops, they, they as soon as they... Got over that halfway mark. It was a bizarre, bizarre game. Um, Hill versus Walters was great as well. Saints' run was just gone. It was so bizarre. What did you think of this? No, no, I, was, uh, I should have said this is. I have seen about twenty seconds of this game. It's the one game oh, I really? got around to seeing any of the highlights. Now, um, so I was happy for you to uh, continue on your oh. role there. Uh, it's, all I have to say is I actually tipped Freo. So I tipped. We tips. both did. We both. We both. Yeah, I, thought were, yeah, yeah. I, thought, I just thought. Um, I guess going back to what we were really talking about before, having that run and carry game, and, and that is it sustainable, and and it will be for some teams, but obviously, so Kyoto may need to adjust who they're playing against, or do it for a week, and then have a week where it's a little bit more structured, because obviously they had what you would think was an unassailable lead, and got chased down by. Uh, Freo team that two weeks ago, three weeks ago, you would never envisage them 
being able to do something like that. Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, I, I, the reason I went with Freer last week was they're a good enough side. They should have won more games. Um, they were mm. one of the best sides I've seen lose four games in a row. They were, they were really good. Um, and yeah, yeah at, and I think Saints are mentally a little bit weak at the moment. Um, they shouldn't have lost that North game as well. Um, yeah, I, 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 not that I'm not trying to be an oracle and say I saw this coming. I mean, this, this was a highway robbery, and I definitely felt pretty shitty about the tip at half time. But wow, this this did definitely turn around. I didn't think it'd go this far. Um, I guess as well, we know um, Ben Long uh, got three weeks for that hit on Darcy. I think he fair enough. I think that's probably about right. I saw a lot of people saying it should have been more. I don't know, maybe four, but certainly not not above four. And I think two wasn't enough. So three, three or four. In Shorter season like two as well. Four, four weeks. Yeah, it's almost a quarter of the season. Well, that's that's um, that. I think that might have been the logic. Huge. Yeah, I, I agree, and that that yeah. may have been the logic. I think in a normal season, you're right. It would have been four, and then and then now, yeah. um, and then down to the three. Um, but yeah, Frio salvaged a thirty-six point deficit. And ended up and ended up winning. It was a cra- crazy end as well. Um, obviously, if you're not seeing the game uh, or most of it, um, Sonny Walters as well. Late, he gave away a fifty meter, and it was like, oh, like he, they're going to give the game away. And um, St Kilda had just started to get some momentum in the last five to ten minutes. It was they were just starting to pick back at it? Not not you didn't didn't feel legitimate, but they were chipping at it. And then Walters gives that 50 away and then he, he could see, he look on his face, he was like, oh, no, no, like, I'm going to get torn uh, apart after this Ross game. Ross is going to kill me. Oh, yeah. no, Ross is not there. Hey, Ross is not there. But then he, went, then he went absolutely bonkers. He played, like, a ridiculous five minutes, won the clearance, just completely dominated for the last five minutes and just made sure we're not, we're not losing this game because of that 50. So, That's no, it was, it was so good to watch. Um, yeah, amazing I mean that that Sarong I quite liked as well. Um, I think he's a, a, a he won't win the Rising Star probably, but he is someone that I think you know will, will poll more than I think people give him the the credit. Um, courage from Brayshaw late as well. This was a great game. This is one of the absolute best games of the entire season easily. Uh, if you do get a chance to watch it, I, I, I'd watch it for mm-hmm. sure. Um, yeah, fantastic. Really, really good through the entire match. Uh, should we keep moving? West Coast? Yeah, West Coast. And the Crows. Oh. Terrible game. There's nothing to take out of this game at all. No, no, went to script. Really, just... Fremantle... Fremantle... Oh, Fremantle. Um, Adelaide. Adelaide. Adelaide is so bad. I mean, we can, we can talk a bit about that because we've kind of let that go a little bit the can last we? couple of weeks. Yeah. Well, all right. We'll start. Let's start with West Coast. I, I don't think so West, West Coast is that good yet. You go, go. So, so West Coast, um, obviously, now fly back home, couple of wins to finish up the hub, and start to play as a type of football we thought we'd see from the get go. Um, so they it's were, taken a yeah. little while. To look. They were better. Um, they were better. Yeah, look better. I mean, obviously, I'll make Natanui. Um, Hysterical with the the, the phone. Uh, with the phone handover there, um, and just I don't know they knew that they were coming up against I don't know, the worst thing since Carl two years ago, three years ago, 
and and played accordingly. They just did enough. They didn't get out of third gear, let's be honest. But their their, their gun players just did what they had to do and put a score on the board. And I mean, thirty three points. You take that every day of the week. Doesn't matter who you play. Yeah, well, the only thing to take out of this game was the whole Twitter thing, which we kind of got semi-embroiled in. With um, So the short of it is, I'll start from the very beginning. So when you came on Twitter, you must have been like, wow, what's going on? Because it was quite a few notifications. Basically, there was a there's a thing in NBA Twitter, right? Where And it's just general Twitter in, in general, right? But if something happens, so O'Reilly, um, everything with O'Reilly, is that his name? I actually dead said I forgot yeah. his name. What's his name? Is it, it's I, I keep thinking the 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 build, I, can't, I can't say O'Reilly like that. I keep thinking of the builder from Faulty Towers. Um, O'Reilly. I want to say Riley, <laughs> but um, so he he um, there was a ridiculous Thanks, situation. Yeah, well, there was a ridiculous situation where he tweeted out his game notes, which is virtually impossible. Um, you have to link Twitter to your notes first to even start this on iOS and then um, you'd have to accidentally hit the share button and then accidentally hit the Twitter button and then accidentally hit the post button and like it, there's, there's quite a lot of accidents that would have to happen for you to do that. That all happened. Um, it was obviously ridiculous. There's no doubt that he, I mean, why, why would he possibly tweet them out? But somehow that happens and then he smashes his phone. I think that happened after the fact, not beforehand. But anyway, that's that week. That can be the conspiracy theory of the AFL. And then amazingly, after the game, Nick Nat gives him a phone. But there's a thing in the Twitter world where you bump somebody's older tweets in relation to the current event. So, for example, when JR in the in game one of the 2018 NBA Finals, when JR instead of passing, he ran the clock down. So they had another shot. They could have got... They, anyways, it's that famous, you know, meme with LeBron going like this. Yeah. And then JR, like, very confused. So when that happened, like, you you would... that People were retweeting when he did that, uh, when he was playing for the Knicks, like, five years earlier, right? So it's just a very... It's a very, like, normal thing where, like, if something happens, like a gaff or something, something similar, you retweet that and you bump it up to the top, right? It's like it just... The people used yeah. to do it on forums and stuff. It's been... It's not very uncommon. Anyway, so I thought, all right, well, I'll have a look through O'Reilly's um, tweets. And then it started to get weird. So I went through it and it's like, he had a tweet of like, you know, oh no, this is no good or something like that. I'm making this up. And then I thought, well, that's funny. So I retweet. It was like two years ago. He said that it must have been about a game he was watching or something. So that was funny. And then like, I look, kept looking through it and he doesn't have that many tweets. So it's not that hard to look through. And then he had another one where it was like, I've smashed my phone. I'm like, from like five years ago, I was like, wow, that's weird. So like I bumped that one and then it kept going. And then it was like, and then he had another one that said, Ching Chong Bong, hashtag Lena, no speaker de English. Which is pretty full on, but this was quite a while. I'm like, it was a while ago, but he, it still happened. I was like, wow, this is a, Okay, it's like tennis sangren. Like it's it's a treasure trove of like you know liking um, uh, uh, what's her name that horrible woman from the Australian. Like pretty like weird stuff. Like starting to get a bit yeah. like maga hat type stuff. And I was like, wow, this is getting weird. 
And so I bumped some of that stuff up and then it went crazy, right? So then it just started retweeting and then people were like constantly copying it over. And then we started getting like bombarded with abuse. So if you criticize, I think I know what Sam McClure feels like now. So if you criticize Adelaide, which he's obviously been writing about the camp, which we didn't even bother talking about. I'm so sick of the camp. But the camp thing, right, he gets he gets abused on a daily basis by Adelaide fans. So they're pretty vicious, the old Adelaide people. But apparently, so we, we shouldn't, like highlight that. So you can't, you're not meant to call out any of that stuff or even, you're not allowed to bump it. It was a while ago. And people are like, oh, well, he would have been 19 at the time. It's like, yeah, I was 19 and not racist. Like, do you know what I mean? It seems a bit, just because you're yeah, young doesn't mean... When is it okay to be racist? Yeah, because you're young, it's fine. Anyway, but I, I, I thought it was a bizarre situation. But in the end, um, uh, he was clearly upset about it. He, he deleted his tweet Um Anyway, so there was a bit of a, uh, a situation there with the club as well. So they were like, look, he's a bit upset by it. So we ended up, um, I ended up just taking it down because he was clearly very upset by it. He deleted the tweet and stuff. But the, the point is like, it was a very, 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 very strange situation. But apparently you're, you're not meant to, if someone's racist in an old tweet, you can't, you can't, can't talk about it. You just got to pretend it's fine. Because um, when you're young, it's, oh, it's all then, good to be racist. they're allowed to keep it up there until it's pointed out that it shouldn't be there? Yeah, well, that was... I, okay for tweet it in the first place. Well, remember your mate, when you piped in, it was so funny. I was like, oh, Michael's taking this well. Because then you came into it, it was hilarious. And then you came into it and then you like, it was that, I'm not sure if it was, I'm, it must I'm have been a, that guy from Home and Elf, Away. Yeah. Elf J. Stewart. Yeah. The guy, I think it might, I, I don't know if it's him or it's a parody account, but this guy, literally an actor from Home and Away, had a go at us about it. And I responded to him, and then you responded with like, "Who the f is this guy?" And then I, which is pretty funny. And then, but I responded, and I was like, "Do you not understand that this is a public forum? Like, what, what did, what do you think happens? Like, it's not, you know, anyway." Back to the yeah, game. Crazy. Obviously, like I just wanted to just roughly talk about it because we had a lot of people saying like, "What's going on? What's happening?" So that's a recap of what happened. Um, but anyway, uh, better than the game, really. It was much better than the game, and that's why I thought I didn't. I didn't. I purposely didn't explain it in Twitter. I said you're gonna to have to listen to the episode to find out because I, yeah. I really. This, this it's better. That it's far better than the game. The game was not good. Um, look, Kelly was a little bit better. What do you so? Uh, so we talk about West Coast. We'll park them. We can move to the next game. But Adelaide, like, what do you do if you're Adelaide? I mean, like, do 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 you put Sloan on the trade table? Do you? Do you really try and rebuild heavily here? Like what? Obviously, Matthew Nix needs help. You know, there's talk of of Wusher potentially going there next year. You know what? I guess what 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 do you, what do you think is a good idea for them to do? They're they're going to barely win a game this year. Yeah, well, Nix and the board at some point need to sit down with every single player. Look them dead in the eye, like old school. Mate, do you want to play here? Yes or no? And call if they say yes, but their body language says no. Put them up, see what they can get. Because I think if they did that, they would have no players left. Everybody seems to just hate the jumper. Well, well, colour the list. Some of these guys didn't even go on the camp too. Like it's starting to get to the point where, like, what is going on there? See, this is the thing. They've got one ace up their sleeve with the sample not going ahead. There's going to be a lot of people that will go. Yeah, I'll play for Adelaide. I don't care. I just want to play footy. Yeah. Better off having better off having 
90% of your playing list wanting to play for the jumper than 70% that want out. Because clearly there's that from the outside looking in, at least 70% of that list uh, there for a paycheck. And that is it at the moment. It seems like it. I mean, I in the end, it was a mistake really not just trading Brad Crouch because they would have got more for him last year, even though they weren't happy with the deal. They would have got more from the Gold Coast had they tried to do the deal even more Mate, last year. Now they'll get donuts yeah, for him. A, What's he worth now? Well, that's a donuts. They're, they're they all want out. Donuts are, donuts are scarce these days. The Crouch brothers have been average. Unless you've got a bakery, you got a bakery near you. In your postcode. You yeah, exactly. go anywhere. No. But you're right. The, but the Crouch brothers um, are worth nothing now. That's the thing. It was so stupid they didn't trade him. Because now, the, the, it would be a packet of chips you could get him for. And now they, they were looking at a second-round pick. They were crazy. They wanted a first-round pick. It was ridiculous. Just take that second-rounder. Yeah, why would you want to keep a player that clearly, clearly wants their Hates Surely it. They've had... I mean, they, they, they're on the receiving end of that with Gibbs. Yeah. He clearly wanted out. And they got him. So, not that it's helped them in the long run, but... <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Anyway, now he goes yeah, for Carlton. Hey. Now he goes for Carlton. Literally on Twitter, he's like, "Go to the bags and all that stuff." It's so funny. Yeah, no, no, no. I reckon no, if no, I, no, I reckon no, that no. my favorite thing would be, um, I don't think this has happened yet. If Carlton played Adelaide and he and he, he didn't get a game again, and he tweeted, "Go bag as if they beat them," that would be so funny. Um, or he got drafted and played did the did the last dance with Eddie. All, and the Blues together. All these Carlton fans on, like, Carlton Twitter, a lot of them are like, oh, come home, come back home, all that shit. And it's like, do you want this guy? Like, he can't get a game. He can't get a game in the shittest no, team in the league. Why do you want him? Like, but maybe, 40. like, if he's really good, but the team doesn't want to play him, what's what's the reason? What's going on? You hear a lot of rumours about Bryce Gibbs, and I, I won't entertain them now. But no. it seems, anyway, D's sons... Good game, D Suns. This was a, this was I chose. Did you watch Essendon North or D Suns on on the Saturday night? Which was your preference? Uh, Essendon North. I, I, okay. I didn't even watch all of it. I was in between that and um, had phone conversations coming left, right, centre, which was annoying. But I watched Don's North. Okay, yeah. Well, I, I thought that was probably going to be the case, so I ended up watching. Um, I watched D Suns. Um, re- yeah, really good game. It's one of those, like, I really do feel Gold Coast is Brisbane from 2018. So you remember how Brisbane, we were in that hilarious trailer that Ed put together of our, of our podcast where you're like, they're the best 5 and eight, te- five and 18 team in history. Like, you know, that, that's the thing. Like, Gold Coast, yeah. uh, they are that side. They are right on the edge of being really good. And I do honestly feel that Gold Coast next year could make that level of jump that Brisbane have made. Maybe not as high as that, but not far off that. They're so yeah, close. Yeah. They should have won they should have won this game. A tiny bit yeah, more poise. Hey? Yeah, half a quarter of football really. That last part Whoa. of the game, last ten minutes, uh, or twenty fifteen minutes, whatever you want to call it. Um, they're right in it. If this had been normal length I almost think this might have been like a kick after the siren crazy, crazy scenario. With a little bit more time, where the Suns might have just snatched it, like Isaac Rankin obviously completely deserved Rankin. the the um, 
the rising star. He was unbelievable. It was by far, I can't see a first game that was better than that. It was absolutely ridiculous. Those two goals were disgustingly good. He's he's an animal. All all the rumours and bits and pieces you've heard about him is is true. Um, he, he true. I mean, to get when like Raul to Rankin is going to be unbelievable to watch. That is going to be must watch football to see that Raul is so exciting, and then to see him deliver to Rankin to fifty is going to be crazy. That's going to be so much fun. Yeah. They're such and a fun team to watch. Yeah, I mean, Greenwood like, looks so at home up there as a leader, um, the number one ball in the midfield. Alice is obviously playing very good football. Uh, it's, 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 it's brought a new lease of life to guys like um, Andrew Swallow as well because there's less pressure on them to, yeah. to lead and, and, and be the best player on the team. Um, the, the younger guys from we, we, that came in with ranking like Lukosius is obviously – Probably more likely to, to stay up there now that obviously Adelaide is a basket case and Port Adelaide won't be able to fit them fit him in um, yeah. to their list because they're playing too good. Like polar opposites in, in SA, um, but he's at a team that uh, looks um, well trained um, and, and, and unified, which we have not seen a Gold Coast team unified, even when they were almost good when Gary was still up there. Well, this yeah, they are so close, and this really did feel like one of those just Brisbane losses in 2018. They're so Stuart close Jew to getting it right. When Stuart Jew is out, up and running, like you know, things are good. Yeah, exactly. He did look. He looks better, actually. Jokes aside, he actually looks. He does look. He's, yeah, he's only having whoppers twice a week now. Yeah, he's cut it down to twice. Um, <laughs> no, this was this was a lot of fun to watch. Melbourne were better. They still made some ridiculous errors. I still, like, there was some inside 50s from both. We want to, if you want to hear more about Melbourne, we won't go into them too much because we spent a lot of time on them last week. So if you really want to break down of what's wrong at the moment and, and what's good and what's bad about Melbourne, go back to the review from last week because we went into it pretty heavily. But again, some entries from Petrarca and Oliver, exactly the same problem to elements of what we spoke about last week around the pace they go inside 50 and the lack yeah. of poise. Every, 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 everything is perfect about it. Sorry, mate, you go. I was just saying, just on that, yeah, they, the inside forward efficiency is 42%, so really low again. Yeah, but the, the irony was they, they were better, but at the same time, they, well, their percentage always is a bit average because they get so many entries, but at the same time, and that's fine, but then you still need to capitalise on, on, on a lot of them. It's like, you know, if you look at, like, you know, the first serve percentages of, of big servers in, in tennis that's all well and good but you need to make a lot of returns and still be in games because like you look at like Karlovich that hits you know 70 80 aces through Wimbledon as he as he gets deeper into the tournament that's fine but, um, but, 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 literally but the only point he gets. well that's that's the problem so and that's similar it's, it's a similar thing like it's all well and good you get shitloads of entries well Brisbane had more entries than Geelong lost the game lost they got belted really yeah. so anyway but yeah exactly so but yeah so look too, still far, far, far too many inside 50s for the conversion they got. And, you know, Petrarca overkicked a few. And he had a great game. He was really good. And he was pretty good last week as well. Yeah. But he, he was really good. I'm not wanting to heavily criticise him because he was great. But Oliver and and he once again overcooked a few kicks um, and, and created a ridiculous situation for the forwards to try and mark. Um, I, but like, they were better. Like Salem, um, as that kind of sneak through the corridor... 
move, I really liked that set play. So, like, they'd, they'd set it up, win it out of the middle, either Petrarca or Oliver, and then look like they're going forward, pivot, kick back to Salem, who'd run on the fatter side of the clearance, and then clear through the... Um, and go kind of at a 45-degree angle from the outside of the square, back through it in, in again, and then attack into 50. And that worked. He only needed 20 metres, 15 metres, and it was enough pace for that move to work, and then another entry, another entry, another entry. It was actually like a bit disturbing how many times the Suns didn't realise that was going on. Uh, eventually, they keyed onto it, but then Ellis pivoted into it. So it was, it was, it, it was really, um, yeah, not Ellis. Sorry, um, he's on the other side. What's his name from? Um, looks like Ellis in Melbourne. Anyway, point is they they just rotate around, but that was really good. Um, yeah, look, obviously our man was was great, Sam Wiedemann. Um, I, I was, you know, really impressed by him. Brought the ball to ground. Um, obviously, like, you know, didn't get a massive score, but getting massive scores at the moment, it's virtually impossible. But he, he was fantastic. What, what did you think of his game? I was really impressed. Yeah, like, um, really, get a total team score of 80. Um, key forward, seven touches, two goals. Uh, half his possessions were contested. Took two contested marks out of four or five, um, but just as he does, just, he straightens the team up and, and becomes a good focal point. Brings it if he's not clunking the mark, he's bringing it to to ground and yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he, he plays, they win. Like I know it's um, uh, not to be an all end all, but I think he plays it. They got to keep playing. Yeah, well, as we've been saying, yeah, we'll just, he just trades him up. He, he's our forward. Like people go on about McDonald. I was like, well, is McDonald a forward or a back? Like Wiedemann is a forward. That's how he plays. Um, everything about his game is geared to aid the midfield or whoever's entering fifty to kick to him. So, and obviously, if they get Benel back and. They start playing these guys. But they'll play. It. But they'll play it. They're going to have a very dynamic forward uh, forward fifty. So Benel played. He was good. Oh, did he? But Benel played. Yeah, he didn't have a huge huge impact, but he did play. And he was good. Yeah. Um, okay. But yeah, Weeds I think was really good. Obviously, like it was a bit embarrassing um, leading up into the week. Some I know we're friends with him or whatever. We obviously did our our interview with him. Definitely check it out. Um, as well, but like it was a bit embarrassing from some of the major media outlets saying, "Oh, we haven't seen this kid since 2018." You know what's going on? Like uh, he he was injured. He had like a couple of pretty serious injuries. So I'm not sure. Like it was it's just amazing the lack of research that's going on just because he's not you know Dangerfield or Dusty or whatever. Like he still you know, mm. you know that was pretty embarrassing. But um, yeah, look, he was really good. They got to keep playing him. Um, too much talent, otherwise they're going to lose him because another side will take him. And um, yep. you know they signed him for two years, so while you play him, play him, and he's he's good. He's a, he's a very good kid. Um, got his head switched on. Um, we'll always try and do the right thing. Um, I, yeah, we we obviously really rate him. So yeah, he's, he, that was great to see. Um, Lacocious, um was was really exciting as well. Um, little other highlights like Mitch Hannon, um, really impressive. But look, ultimately, you know, simple errors late, similar to. Um, Brisbane in 2018. That that just 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 those tiny little errors. A couple of those ranking points. He could have. I know this is so harsh. It was his first game, but like he's going to be a freak. But a couple of those points yeah. um, in about 
20 or 30 more games, I reckon, even less probably. He's so good. But, like, he'll kick those, and then, then they'll win those games. And, you know, he was he, – he, I mean, honestly, like, he was it was that tight. He, they really – I did feel five minutes ago, I was like, I think they're going to – I think they're going to snatch this. Um, but, yeah, yeah right. great, really good watching, great game. Probably the second best game of the round, um, to be honest. Uh, Essendon North, you can probably talk a bit more about this. I watched it um, subsequently, bits of it. I didn't really watch the entire thing. Um it's just a lot of football to watch, and obviously watching um, D's sons live. Um, but I mean, like the key from what I saw, I saw a fair chunk of it, about half of it. Like, to you tell me, but I guess my takeaway out of it seemingly was that North are just so bad in in red time. Once again, most of S. I looked at the stats and I read an article today. Most of Essendon's score was in red time, and this has happened again for North. Is that was that how you looked at it too? Yeah, I'm watching the game, I don't didn't really take any notice of it, so I didn't take any notes on But then when you see comments like that, you look back and you have a look at some of the highlights, you go, oh, shit, yeah, a lot of a lot of the, the, the scoring was done in red time. But, I mean, it, I think a lot of us have forgotten, myself included, just how damaging and fit and fast Essen have become. And even in these shorter quarters, it's such an asset to have these types of guys being able to really run hard right throughout the quarter. And yeah. obviously big, big outs with North Melbourne at the moment with no Cunnington and, and, and Zebel. They, they, just, they just shot for, for confidence. Uh, obviously got a very talented rucking goal scene and um, the supporting cast is there without um, their, their engine room. They're always going, I think for, for a lot of the season, they're going to get caught out by these teams, especially if we've got, not just pace, but I mean, I'm going to say it again, uh, McGrath, he is um, probably the most efficient without looking at stats. He's, he'd have to be in the top five um, most efficient midfielders, disposal efficiency uh, in the comp. In the comp. He's, he's super clean. Um, bringing Merritt back in, he's only going to get better once uh, got a couple more games on his belt after a bit on the sideline. Um, still can kick a a winning score, uh, apparently a, a forward. Um, not that 67 sounds like a big score, but uh, this season you're going to win games and then lose if you score high 60s, low 70s. Yeah. And look, there's just a balanced team. I'm looking forward to see how they come up against your Geelongs and Collingwoods and GWS now that they're up and about. Um, it hasn't been the hardest start to the year as far as the teams that they've come up against. But they only lost the one game still. Yeah. Um, Hooker and Hurley, really good. Um, you know, 47 inside 50s for three marks. That's not going to win you any games of football from North. Um, I don't think the game plan at the moment seems no. to really suit Ben Brown. I don't know what's going on. That's It's very weird. Um, but four of Essendon's nine goals in red time. That that just kills you. So you've got to play the quarter out, particularly yeah. when they're so short. Yeah, that's it. Just tackle and and, and, and push, push teams to the sides. Like, do all the fundamentals. Of it. Yeah. I'm surprised that it was actually, yeah, that many, almost half the goals in red time. But, uh, yeah, and that's concerning too, that point about Ben Brown, whether... Cause was well, only last year that you could kick it anywhere. They could kick it anywhere in the Ford 50, and he's some 
Campbell is the second mark. They just don't. They're not reading his leading patterns, or he's not explaining his leading patterns to. I, I don't know. It just seems quite bizarre. Um, you know, it's it must not be worked. Getting frustrating for for him. Yeah, Essendon, good side. Um, everyone keeps forgetting they're a game behind as well. They still need to play that Melbourne game, uh, Essendon, Melbourne. So yeah, they're they're going to be there. Yeah, they'll be they'll be about the mark, I reckon, this year. I don't think they'll win the flag. Yeah. I reckon they're going to be knocking on the door uh, of the top four. Um, but North, yeah, I, I think again it's going to be another season where they're kind of in a bit of the middle of the road. To be honest, like we we're pretty excited about them for a little bit there. They look like they. They had something, but I'm not. I'm not sure about it now. I'm a bit concerned by, need, by what we said. Yeah, they they need they need everything to go right for it to work for them. They yeah. can't allow the slip ups like allowing goals to bleed in red time or against Hawthorne giving up a thirty point odd lead and having to try and wheel that in. They just haven't got that depth of B plus. A minus type players. They've got a couple of elites, a lot of Bs, and there's not enough. No. that just that in between that they can afford to. They haven't got enough polish um, no. across the board to, to do or get into a, a compromised position uh, during the game. And on the Sunday, so we'll keep moving. Port Giants, uh, Port won. I mean, like, this was a good game. Um, Look, horrible first quarter, one goal, two to one point, um, un- unwatchable uh, to start. Um, but then it kind of kept building 4-4 to 2-5 at half time, which, you know, in normal time would be horrendous. But in shorter quarters, it's, you know, and about where we're at. Um, but yeah, it kept building. Um, Giants, really inaccurate, 6-10. Um, should have been a lot better. They were definitely in this. Um, it didn't really ever feel like they were going to win it, though. Fellow Port would hold on. Um, I liked um, Ken Hinckley after the game in the rooms. It looks like they've um, got really, really good synergy with the team at the moment. Um, they're definitely one of the absolute premier sides, and they'll have a lot of home games in SA as well. I think they'll probably be yeah. an SA hub, um, given Victoria's going to the bin at the moment and probably will for the next few months. So I reckon there'll be Victorian teams heading over to SA at some point for sure. Um, so, yeah, there's going to be a lot of home games, possibly with crowds. Well, you think almost certainly with crowds. So... That's um that's not yeah. good. If no, uh, no, you're a Port Adelaide um, supporter, very, player, very they're, good. Um, yeah, yeah. They're, they're in the uh, they're in a pole position now um, for uh, a tight circuit uh, where there's not a lot of overtaking lines, um, especially if they get a five or six week stint at home. Can't lose in too many games. Uh, at Adelaide Oval, uh, if that becomes a reality. So, yeah, look, again, I didn't get to see a great deal of this game. Um, I did watch a lot of the next game. And I guess, like a lot of games, um, I thought it would have been a little bit closer, like the final margin, not that it was a blowout by any stretch of imagination. But, again, I felt like you. I didn't didn't feel like GWS were ever going to take the reins and take control of the game. No. Port Adelaide just kept them at arm's length right throughout. And they know that they can do that against quality sides because they are a quality side. So yeah, that's good signs. I think also with this game... Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, to be honest, this is one of those games we didn't really learn anything from. So let, let's kind of keep moving. Um, Richmond, yeah. Richmond, Sydney, uh, awful game. Yeah. This, was a, this was a horrible game. 
Um, as everybody's talked about, let's not kind of go into that so much because, yeah. It was, it, was like, it was like self-castration, to be honest. Can I say that? You can. Yeah, I mean, well, it's it's right. we're, not on, um, we're not on any broadcasters, so <laughs> I don't think Ed cares. Um, but, no, no, so, look, it was it was awful to watch as, as everyone's spoken about all week. Um, Richmond, ridiculously inaccurate, four goals, ten. That definitely would have changed things around a fair bit. Um, but, yeah, this was terrible. Richmond still are in not very good form. They're awful to watch. Richmond are either real; they're either really bad for the game, or they're so defensive it's very unwatchable. Um, I, 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 there's no doubt Sydney had a, an extra player behind the ball at times. Which why why wouldn't you do that? I'm not quite sure what Hardwick meant by those comments because what I agree with Horse because it's like well, what else is he supposed to do? Just stop defending after a while? Like I just don't get it. It's so weird. It's yeah. like what do you think he's going to do? Very so, weird. And ultimately, um, like you made the, the best point about this, had Richmond kicked more accurately, let's just say they kicked ten goals four, yeah, all came to the centre to be ball up, would open the game up, obviously, um, a lot more. And uh, the biggest thing for me for Richmond was we're starting to see Jack just slowly get back into the game. Jack Ray, what that is, uh, which is encouraging. Uh, unfortunately, the opposite for uh, Sydney losing arguably their most important player for the season. Yeah, with Haney out. Yeah. yeah, he look he yeah look he was a bit better, but at the same time it it, it he still wasn't great. Um, Rewild that is, but yeah, a lot of flooding. Um, not much you could do about it. Uh, second lowest total score in AFL history um, ever. Mm. Uh, well, in AFL, um, so that's obviously really bad. Um, and it was really refreshing to see the next game. I, I'm happy to leave this, to be honest. We didn't learn anything more. Obviously, he, yeah. Heaney and Kennedy um, injured, which was horrible. Yeah. Um, that That's going to be a long, 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 sad story for Sydney, I think, because they're, they're prob- they're, I think probably they're almost their two best players. Um, outside yeah, and Franklin's of- still eight months away. Oh, he he'll, he won't play. I don't think he plays this year. It'll be next year. You wouldn't think so. No. Yeah. So yeah. So obviously it's all up to Tom Papley now. Yeah. Who who wanted out at the end of last season? So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not looking good. No. Um, and Richmond are all still right. still trying to figure it out. And the last game of the round, and this was so refreshing to see some old mate goals because I'd forgotten what it looks like. Um, Blues dogs. First half was really good, and the second half, if you were a neutral fan or a Blues fan, this was good to watch, but as a Dogs fan, this would have been horrific. Um, but look, we'll start with Carlton. Huge to see a win of that calibre with Cripps really not playing much at all and, and being pretty underdone and um, obviously hampered by a bit of injury. Jack Martin, fantastic. Oh, my Casbolt. What's going on? The 2020 throws some pretty weird curveballs at you. Um, coronavirus and, and Levi Kasbot kicking goals is probably the two weirdest things that's been happening for me. Um, Cripps looks looks pretty no. sore. Tony um, was voted down for the Nahas award. We need, we need a new Nahas. Who's got the Nahas now? All right, let's talk about that next week. Who's got the Nahas at the moment currently? Yeah. Yeah. Do a Nahas recap. Um but no, I think, uh, yeah, look, Cripps, like, hopefully they don't rush him back. Obviously, they want to win some games, but let's not rush him back. He's too important for the side. But yeah, look, I mean, some takeaways for the dog. Smith's just been so good to watch this year. 
Hunter, um, you know, again, Smith, obviously, from that 2018 draft, that's starting to look like such a great draft. Um, Hunter yeah, yeah. really improved. Um, yeah, look, but great pressure from Carlton. They held it longer, and this is the thing. This goes back to what I was saying. They, they dogs came out. They thought they'd be able to jump them. They thought that would work. They thought they'd be able to hold it. It got to half time. They weren't there yet, and they, they didn't have enough uh, ability to hold pressure longer, and, and Carlton were just simply better. And with the ball, you know, ending with um, Eddie Betts at the end was great. It, it, it was a weird game. It followed a really cool script. Like it was, it felt like a crazy Hollywood action movie. It was just a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, and obviously Doggies up there with one of the form teams of the last few weeks, playing some really, really good football, really attacking football, uh, entertaining football. We thought, oh, well, they could go on a five or six game winning streak. And um, yeah, 50 point hiding at the hands of the Blues, not... Not the nicest thing to finish the weekend off with, I guess, if you're a doggies player, supporter, and whatnot. But yeah, really refreshing for the for the, the baggers um, in that top eight for the first time now since two thir- thirteen, as everyone keeps reminding me. That sounds that um, I sounds. Know, I, I don't know what that means, but considering it's only round six, but yeah, good on them. But it sounds it's one of those stats that sounds made up. Like it's it it just seems ridiculous. Like how can they not have accidentally been in there? Like, just, like, I guess as well because of that. Well, they've lost round one every year for that time. I know, Against yeah. the ticks. By ridiculous amounts. But even if they won the next game or two, the percentage was probably too too low. That's, it just seems ridiculous. Yeah, so, I mean, it was so hard. Like, not, not to sound arrogant or anything. It's just the state of the team I played for, Barrack for. I don't know what that feels like. Yeah. I don't know, it's so hard to comprehend. So, no, good on them. Um, a gutsy win, that's the type of win, especially for a young team, that they go, you know what, had a couple of bad weeks, we've lost a couple of close ones that they could have probably won, all that type of stuff, and all of a sudden to come out and have a nine-goal win, uh, pretty impressive. What? What? Where are the dogs at? Because I think they're one of the hardest teams to read. I mean, right now, if you look at the ladder, there's a heap of the gate. hard teams to read. the gate. Yeah, nice and close to the oval. But uh, some, but some uh, weeks they're like, fantastic. Like Hawthorne, yeah, I put them in the same category as Hawthorne. I think they're better uh, than Hawthorne. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, but I'd, they're not going to be a top four team, and they're not winning the flag. Probably in not. My opinion. And, and if they don't play consistently week in week out, they might not even play finals. Um, I wouldn't surprise me if they finished eighth or ninth. Oh, sorry, ninth or tenth or. or Six to eighth, six to ten. You're, you're giving a very wide, wide depth. Yeah, everywhere. Yeah, they I wouldn't be surprised if they finish eighteenth or seventeenth or sixteenth. Somewhere between fifth and thirteenth. If they finish between the first spot and the eighteenth spot, I'll be flabbergasted. Look, they're going to probably win a few games, maybe lose a few. They, they're one of those teams where if they can if they can figure out what that switch is and and flick it on and hold it on for long enough, they're going to win six or seven so, games from here. Yeah, if they can be like you want the AFL to be, if they can just define what they want as a football team, then mm. we're gonna they're a scary opposition. But they've got to figure that out. First. Exactly, is that going to happen? So anyway, uh, the, yeah, probably not allowed to go too much stepping maybe from Gabo. He needs to stop it. Oh my Bev. Paul Beverly. Um, no, it was a they're a weird team to read. I just don't I don't really want to comment too much on it yet. They've got deficiencies that, that we could talk about, but I want to see some more games. I want a little bit more sample size 
to know which way is the truth, and uh, we probably won't know more by then anyway. Um, so that is the nine rounds. Uh, check out Hopstone, hopstone.com.au. Use AFL Deep Dive as your promo code to get $25 off your first pack. Um, check out Beyond the Game TV. Check out our interviews. Um, we did an interview with Sam Wiedemann, which, which were the only people that he spoke to before um, him getting picked again. So that's great. He talks a lot about his recovery from injury, um, getting back into the team. This is a very interesting conversation that's still definitely relevant to now. Um, there's heaps of topics that were definitely more open-ended rather than, you know, I know we recorded a few weeks ago, but there's heaps and heaps of stuff in there. 95% of it is still very, very relevant. Um, also, uh, check out the Ted Richards interview, which we did, which was great. Uh, we'll hopefully get Ted back on at some stage as well, which would be awesome. Um, yeah, and uh, we, we'll, we'd love to continue our, our interview series, but it's going to be really difficult with the the hubs at the moment with the internet and some of the hotels being really average. I don't actually know how we're going to do it, to be honest, but we'll figure it out, hopefully. Uh, well, uh, yeah, we'll continue to push push some envelopes where we can and hopefully we get a response and someone has the time and the capacity to do so. Yeah, exactly. All right. Take care. We will see you for the preview. Goodbye. Great. Cheers.